Father, we grieve over the lives of those who have been lost in Israel, those who have been kidnapped and are still alive. We pray that you would send your angels to protect them. We ask that bullets that fly in the air would go askew. They'd go astray. They would not hit their targets. We pray that you would intervene in either an angelic or supernatural way to bring about a resolution to this. We know that you dislike, you abhor when there is murder and mayhem and rape and discord. We would pray for the peace of Israel, as Psalm 122 says. We'd also pray for peace in our hearts. As we look at what is taking place to your people in your land, may you give us wisdom and patience that we might understand your will through all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. So yesterday, if, if like me, you woke up and you read any news whatsoever, you had any blurbs or any um, messages from your phone, at 6.30 a.m. Israeli time, there were approximately 300 armed Islamic terrorists that crossed the barrier from Gaza into Israel. Now, I want to give you kind of a visual on the map. Daryl, if you could post that map to give you an idea of what's going on here. <clears throat> very, at the very bottom, that is Elat. That is where you would transfer if we were on a trip. We'd come from Jordan, which is on the right-hand side, which is where Petra is. We'd go down to Elat and then back up to Tel Aviv. I think you can see... No, I don't see... Do I see Tel Aviv on there? Okay, well, you can see Gaza on the left. And you see that red portion that's in there? And that red portion is a no-go region. You don't go into Gaza because it is controlled by Hamas. Right outside of that is a little bit more orange. You can hardly see it there. But that's an area where you need to decide if you need to be there whatsoever. It's like a demilitarized zone. And Hamas broke through that. I think that there is a double fence that is there. One of them is a concrete barrier, and that concrete barrier is probably... 15 feet high in other sections there are um, not electric fence but barbed wire fences and they're probably also about 15 feet high they broke through both of those in differing areas as of yesterday at about seven o'clock there were 22 areas in israel that hamas was going to attack now that is the beginning of the battle uh, they came by land, sea, and air. Um, who in here has not seen any videos of what's taking place there? About uh, six of you. Okay. I'm going to give you an address where you can go watch to your heart's content uh, pretty much the heinous crimes that are being performed. And I, I need to warn you ahead of time, everybody has a cell phone. Everybody is recording what is going on there. And there's nothing really being held back. And so if you are sensitive to that type of viewing, I would recommend that you avoid that and just read the accounts that are there. <clears throat> now, I have several videos that I was going to show, but I decided not to take up the time with that. You can go and watch those videos. 
uh, yourself. Now, in an IDF statement, they're the ones that said 22 different positions were attacked by Hamas. I'm sure it's many more than that right now. 2,500 to 5,000 rockets were coming out of Gaza and landing on the areas surrounding the Gaza Strip, whether it's Ascalon, Ascalon or Sadot, I think is how you pronounce the city. And because of all of this, the cabinet voted in favor of invoking Article 40A, which indicates a formal declaration of war. So Israel is officially at war with Hamas. War doesn't end in a single day. Now, families were being kidnapped. I'm going to describe a couple of the videos that were there. Um, there's one video where a woman has two of her very small children. She's holding them and they are putting her in a vehicle and they're taking her away and they're covering her head and they're not letting uh, her see where they're taking her. Another video, it, it was on Twitter. It was not on Amir Safadi's uh, website. He's on Telegram. But this particular one, it just, it would bring you to tears to see what was happening. And I'm going to describe it for you. There was a family that you saw a woman set up her cell phone to record what was going on inside of her home or apartment. They were all four sitting in front of the cell phone. The mother and the father were there. The father was keeping his young son, probably seven or eight years old, in front of him who was crying almost uncontrollably. There was a young girl. She probably looked 12 or 13 years old, long blonde hair. And the parents were protecting them. They were all just like in a huddle. And you can hear somebody else's voice in the background, and apparently it's a Hamas member. He's in their house. He's controlling what's going on. And there's shots going into and maybe out of their particular place. I'm assuming it was raised. It was probably in a high-rise building. And when they started to do that, both parents laid their children on the ground, and you can see all this live, and they are covering their children with their own bodies to make sure they didn't die. And the reason the boy was crying uncontrollably is because his older sister, 18 years old, had been killed by Hamas in the other room. And you look at the father, and the father had blood all over his hands as he was trying to protect the boy. And the boy kept on asking, Papa, why do you have blood on your hands? And then the girl was asking the question, are they going to take us away? And all of this is being filmed, and it just breaks your heart to see what's happening. And that's just one of the videos. Another video, they had this nature party. I don't know exactly what the nature of the party was, but they were out in a field and there were hundreds of young Israelis out there and this <clears throat> a couple of women. One woman who was out there, they put her on the back of a motorcycle and she's crying, please don't kill me. And they're hauling away her boyfriend. There is a video from an IDF member that said they later have a video of her sitting on a couch drinking water, so she is okay, but they have no idea where her boyfriend is. There was um, another woman. She came from Germany, <clears throat> and she was a Internet influencer. And they took her, presumably they raped her, they threw her body in the back of a vehicle, her leg was clearly broken, uh, she was hardly clothed at all, they were covering her body with their legs, they were taunting her and they drove her through the city streets of Gaza. <clears throat> those are just a few and that's as far as I'm going to go with those, but just heinous, heinous crimes 
are being uh, perpetrated on the people of Israel. Now, the death toll right before we left our house this morning, the death toll officially is about at 700. Uh, they believe it more to be like a thousand, and they expect that to rise as well. Then in other places, it has been reported that in Egypt, four Israelis were killed by an Egyptian soldier. Uh, travel advisories have been given by the U.S. Embassy to get out of Egypt. It's not a place to be. I don't know how far that will go because they do have a official peace treaty between Israel and Egypt, and that was signed by Anwar Sadat, who was murdered for that, and Menachem Begin, if you remember uh, that uh, particular um, accord that was brought up, uh, I think is Jimmy Carter or after Jimmy Carter. So they have pretty much been at peace, but there are sympathizers with Hamas that are still in is, or excuse me, still in Egypt. Then there is Lebanon, um, and I'll describe the players who are going on. But Lebanon, there's a real chance that players from the Islamic State or proxies from the Islamic Islamic State will come down. And they will start attacking things in the north. Now, Pastor Drew is currently in Israel. He was scheduled to leave tomorrow morning. Uh, all the airlines have canceled flights in and out of Israel. American Airlines United and Delta have all canceled their flights. So he is stuck in northern Israel, about 20 minutes above the Sea of Galilee. He is at Calvary Chapel Bible College. It is very close to the southern Lebanon border. And I've been in touch with him going back and forth to see how he is. And he is doing okay. The director of the Bible College that is up there, he grabbed all the women that were at the college because it was set to end this weekend. And he took the women to his house where he has a bomb shelter. And they're staying in the bomb shelter. Drew is currently at the house that houses the Bible college and the young men have chosen to stay with him and the bomb shelter for them is about 30 seconds away. So if they need to go somewhere, they can, but they are already hearing the small arms fire and some small rockets coming across and they're hearing tanks going by. So Drew is right in the midst of it with some young college students who are there and he certainly covers your prayers. I'm going to read what he wrote me. He said, We've started getting small arms fire and rockets from Hezbollah in the north of Lebanon. We are close to the northern border. We are hearing jets flying overhead and tanks moving closer to the north. Steve, the director of the Bible College, has moved the girls into his house because he has a bomb shelter. Our house where the Bible College is has no bomb shelter our bomb shelter is 30 seconds away the boys have chosen to stay with me in the house they may change their minds once they start hearing and feeling the rockets exploding around them love you all thank you for praying so please uh, remember to pray for him now if you have been watching the videos you also saw the iranian parliament when this took place they were watching and they, they saw some of the damage taking place. And behind the, the speaker's chair, I guess is what it is, there were probably 30 uh, men up there. They started shaking their fist in agreement and saying yes. And then the entirety of the parliament got up, went down to the bottom 
the floor that was there and started cheering for Hamas and they said death to Israel and death to America. Now there's some more that I will comment on that but they are certainly not for uh, Israel and they're not for the U.S. and they would love to see both disappear. Now the why. Why is this taking place? Remember I've told you on several occasions all questions center around four subjects. The subjects are origin, where we came from, morality, what is right and wrong, meaning, why is this happening, and destiny, what happens to us after we die. All questions usually fall in those four categories. So the why, I'm going to address this. <clears throat> when, it, when it comes to Israel, are Israel saints in the vein of behavior? They are not saints. Do they do bad things? Yes, they do bad things. There's not a country on earth that doesn't do bad things. We can look at our own CIA. We can look at our FBI. We can look at the executive branch of the government. And nefarious characters all over the place do bad things. And Israelis are not exempt from this at all. And this goes back all the way to the beginning. Now Abraham was considered the first Jew and he is the one that both Jews and Muslims identify with. You have Ishmael which is the firstborn and that's who the Muslims identify with and then you have his son. It's Abraham Isaac. Isaac that was born and he is the son of the promise. And of course after Isaac you had Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And Jacob had 12 sons. Now, before he had those 12 sons, he escaped because his brother Esau was going to kill him. And there was animosity between Esau and Jacob. And Jacob is called the heel catcher because when Esau was born, Jacob grabbed his heel. And if you translate that into today's vernacular, it would be thief or dirty sneaky thief is who Jacob is named after. And of course, we know that Esau was hairy and he was named Harry and he was red and that's what Esau means. So that's where you see the conflict beginning. And God told us that in the womb that, that these two individuals would be warring with each other. So that's the beginning. And you also have the other sons that came from Abraham that make up the Arab community and it stretches from Saudi Arabia to Qatar or Qatar and all the 1040 window Arab countries there. And so this conflict has been going on. The first conflict that was really recognizable in scripture is between Jacob and Laban. And of course, Jacob was persecuted by Laban. Laban changed Jacob's wages 10 times, but the Lord protected him. And Jacob told Laban, you know, if the Lord hadn't been with me, I would go away from this place poor. But he had not only all of his flocks, but he had his daughters and all the grandchildren. And Laban was going to probably take him out. And God warned him in a dream, don't you say anything good or bad to him at all. And so Laban said, all right, I'm not going to say anything. And that was the beginning of the conflict that we really see. Besides the original Cain and Abel and the killing like that, and you have Noah and all of that. But going on in the family line, 
that's what you have. And then if you go a little farther, all the sons are born. And remember who Dinah was? Dinah was the daughter of Leah in the Old Testament, the book of Genesis. And Dinah was loved by a particular man named Shechem. Shechem was a descendant of Ham. Ham, Shem, and Japheth. Those were the three sons of Noah. And so this descendant of Ham really liked Dinah. He took her and he raped her, is what he did. But he loved her. He wanted her to be his wife. And so what happened was Shechem went to his father and said, Get that woman, Dinah, to be my wife and go and talk to Jacob. And, of course, he went and talked to Jacob. And it doesn't really tell us what went on between the two of them. But the sons came in after they heard that Dinah had been raped. And they were just furious. They were beside themselves. So they spoke to Shechem and his father deceitfully. The the Shechemites or the Shechem and his father, they're actually the Hivites. The Hivites were told that if you guys circumcise all your males, then we'll give you our daughters and we'll take your sons and we'll become one people. But they did that deceitfully. After the third day, all the men, they said, okay, we're going to do this. And after the third day, the sons of Jacob went in and slaughtered all the men of the Hivites, took them all out deceive them and so you see this battle going back and forth and Jacob saying what are you doing the rest of the people here they're going to come and kill us we are few in numbers and so God told him to go I think it was to Bethel and go ahead and plant himself there so we see a conflict going on there now there are numerous Bible stories that I could show you where there's this conflict going back and forth you know Edomites and the Amorites and you have the Jebusites and the Hivites and the Perizzites you have all these different groups that are coming against Israel, and Israel is constantly battling against them. God takes them, shoves them down into Egypt for 400 years, brings them back, and they're millions in numbers, and they just cover the land, and they start killing everything in sight according to God's will. And that's a whole other Bible study why God would do that. But anyhow, there has been war in the Middle East since it began over there. The, the Philistines, I mean, the arch enemies of The Israelites, they're all there. So this has been going on for thousands of years. This is just the latest incarnation of it. Now, what is Hamas supposed to gain from this? What do they think they're going to achieve? Well, I listened to a spokesman for Hamas yesterday. And I listened to CNN and the BBC and CBN. I I was all over the place as I was doing some work. I was just listening to the commentary and they brought this representative on. And he said that Israel is an occupying power of Gaza. And he said he does not condemn Hamas because, and then he started going into the numbers that have been killed by the Israelis. And you'll see this in several places on the internet how the Israelis have just killed thousands and thousands of Hamas people and how it's such an unjust thing. And they have the right to protect themselves. They don't go into the details. It's a little more nuanced than that. For instance, the reason they put up the cement barrier is because Hamas was firing guns towards the buildings 
like in Ashkelon and other places. And so they said, we're going to put this up and we're going to catch those people. Or they would build tunnels and try to carry out terrorist attacks. They just stopped a huge terrorist attack two years ago where they found all these tunnels and they started filling up the tunnels with concrete so they couldn't do that. And Hamas has been perpetrating crimes against Israel for years. And so Israel goes in and says, knock it off. And they don't knock it off. And they bring in more missiles, which are supplied by Iran and other countries, maybe even North Korea. And they set them up. And I don't know why Israel hasn't stopped more of these, but I do know that they put the missiles around schools and hospitals. And Israel uses missiles to protect children. Hamas uses children to protect missiles. And so if Israel goes in and takes out a missile battery, chances are they're going to kill children. And Hamas takes advantage of that. They have the propaganda. They say, see what Israel's doing. They are criminals. They should be brought up in the criminal court and they should just be done away with. And so that's the propaganda which is out there. Now, what would you do if you were leader? If you had, you were in charge of the city of Lakeside in El Cajon, that was right there was preparing to fire missiles and you saw the batteries but they're putting the missiles around schools and a hospital or clinics or daycares but you want to protect your citizens what would you do would you go in and take out those as much as you can try to avoid killing all women and children or would you just do nothing and let your own people be killed you have an obligation as a leader to save your own people that's what Israel has been doing are they justified in doing so? That goes into a whole another discussion about a justified war. In this particular case, there's no doubt in my mind that Israel is justified in what they're doing. You may be able to argue some other cases, but in this particular case, I think it's without question. So Hamas considers Israel to have used arms against them, and at the right time, Hamas has the right to protect themselves from Israel. This is what the spokesman for Hamas has said now what makes the Islamic Arab terrorist morally inferior to the Jews because Jews have carried out crimes like I think it was in the Johnson administration the Jews fired on one of our ships out in the Mediterranean Sea and they did it on purpose maybe you don't remember that but we didn't blow them out of the territory either but we've had conflicts with Jews we have spied on Israel. Israel has spied on us. That's just the nature of international relationships. <clears throat> but you have to ask the question, what would Hamas do if they had the power and the opportunity to do whatever they wanted? Then ask the question, what would the Jews do if they had the power and the opportunity to do whatever they wanted to do? Well, I'm going to answer that question for you. The Jews would just want peace. Just leave us alone. Let us exist. We'll leave you guys alone. We won't touch you. They have said that over and over and over. And they have tried to make amends. They have tried to give up territory that has been brokered by the United States. That's why Gaza exists and the West Bank exists. According to that map, you can see the West Bank over there, and it's right up to the edge of Jerusalem. Now, that whole area that you see over there is called Transjordan, or it used to be called Transjordan, and Jordan is in charge 
of administering that area and the Temple Mount. Now, Israel is at peace with Jordan and the king that is in Jordan. But that whole area, they gave it up, I, I think it was in the 1967 war, they gave it, they, they took it. The uh, Jews, they had control of the Temple Mount and all of the West Bank, but they gave it up at the behest of some politicians so that it might go a little bit better because the Dome of the Rock was there. And so the Israelis, they can go up in the Temple Mount if there's a military action that needs to take place, but it's the Arabs who are in control of that, the Jordanians who are in control of administering that particular area. So the Jews, they would just want peace. They would want not want any kind of war. Hamas on the other hand, would kill every single Jew, man, woman, and child. You might say, well, how do you know that? There is this writing called the Hadith. And in the Hadith, it it contains the corpus or the body of the sayings or traditions of the Prophet Muhammad. The Muslims hold to the Hadith. It doesn't carry all the weight of the Quran, but it's very heavy. They almost consider it scripture. And the Hadith reads as follows. Judgment day will not come until the Muslims fight the Jews. The Jews will hide behind the stones and the trees, and the stones and the trees will say, O Muslim, O servant of Allah, there is a Jew hiding behind me. Come and kill him. That is what the Hadith says. And Hamas has a covenant which reiterates this. Now Hamas, they they got together and they were elected by the people in the Gaza Strip. Now whether that election was valid or not in today's society, we have no idea. But Hamas supposedly was elected by the people in Gaza. The Hamas covenant says that Muslims must fight Jews and kill them, quote, and that jihad becomes the individual duty of every Muslim in the face of the Jews' usurpation. It is compulsory that the banner of jihad be raised. Jihad is a holy war. They believe that they need to engage in a holy war against Israel and kill every single Jew. So as far as morality is concerned, they are immoral. They are evil they want to perpetrate crimes against humanity should you stop them from doing that before anything happens well that gets into again to the argument of a just war is it just to do that there has to be a country that is in charge of the cause of war and the the war has to be a moral war to stop death it's kind of like us when world war ii and we dropped the bombs in japan there was a moral imperative to save lives and they believe because they've dropped the bombs it saved a hundred thousand american lives but it, it devastated japan and japan didn't surrender after the first bomb but after the second bomb they did they saw that this could lead to their total annihilation And so it was a just action to stop the war, and it stopped the war. It stopped further killing. But war, you know, I will say it graphically, war is hell. It is terrible. And hopefully it never comes to our shores, and hopefully we can assist those who are suffering unjustly. Also, 
in Article 7 of the Covenant, and I will read this just because it's a quote. The day of judgment will not come until Muslims fight Jews and kill them. This is what I previously read out of the Hadith. Then the Jews will hide behind rocks and trees, and the rocks and trees will cry out, O Muslim, there is a Jew hiding behind me. Come and kill him. So not only is it in the Hadith, but it is in the Hamas Covenant. So that's why they exist. They exist to wipe out Israel. Is God going to let that happen? There's no way. It is not going to happen. Now, will they wreak devastation on the Israeli people? Yes. Who will? Now, take another side note on why. Why even talk about Israel? Why even talk about the heinous crimes that are going on there? Why not talk about the genocide that is taking place in Africa? If you look down in Africa, I mean, almost every single day, one country is being overthrown by some despotic ruler and people are being hacked to pieces by machetes. And I mean, it's just a horrible, horrible place in many areas of Africa. Why don't we talk about that and focus on that? Well, first, we are believers in Jesus Christ. He is the one that says, those are my people. That is my land. And those people are tied to the land and everything that takes place there is to be recognized. There are several scriptures that talk about this, but it also says in a particular place in Numbers chapter 24 verse 9 and Genesis chapter 12 verse 3, may those who bless you be blessed and those who curse you be cursed. So if we bless Israel, we have this promise of blessing and it's more uh, specific in Genesis chapter 3, or excuse me, 12 verse 3, it says, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So God says, bless Israel, focus on Israel. So if you believe in the Bible and you follow Christ, we are directed to bless Israel. And if we do not, we will not be blessed. It doesn't mean that the Jews are always right that they're always perfect. All that it means is that you are a people that have been chosen by God to carry out his will, to bless Israel. God will judge the wicked people in Israel. No question. There's corruption there, just like there's corruption here. But as a whole, the people of Israel will never cease to exist, and that is the goal of Hamas. So if we follow Christ, we help them Exist if we want to be blessed. Now, this is the tribulation. There is a tribulation that will come upon the whole earth. Is this the beginning of the tribulation? You know, is there going to be a leader that arises that brings peace with Hamas and Israel? Peace with Hezbollah and Israel. Peace with Iran and Israel. Well, Before I get too much into that, we know that before that happens, and we we can see the escalation in conflict that's that's coming, and it's here. This this hasn't happened in 50 years. This is the the exact anniversary of the Yom Kippur War. The Yom Kippur War had Syria and Egypt to the south, and they both came at Israel at the same time, and Israel was victorious, and they weren't expecting it. They were caught by surprise, and the same thing has happened here. But we know that as we get closer to that time of Jacob's trouble, which the Old Testament talks about, we're supposed to expect something. Something is going to happen before that seven-year tribulation, which is spoken about several times in Scripture, especially Daniel chapter 9. 
when that comes about, right before that, there is an event. That event is called the rapture of the church. It is called, it is uh, listed in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, John chapter 14, and Isaiah chapter 26. It's everywhere in scripture. And by the way, just a little commentary on the rapture of the church. Most of the Christian church does not believe in the rapture the way we do. I am a dispensationalist. I believe that God has acted in different ways throughout history. I believe he has also acted covenantally, where he has made covenants with people. I believe both to be true. But there are camps that say, no, it's only dispensational. No, it's only covenantal. I believe God has used both. God has a covenant with the descendants of Abraham. He will fulfill that covenant. They are going to live in the land again, prosperous. They're going to be there for a thousand years, and all nations will say, wow, you're a Jew. You are so blessed to have God in your midst. And we're going to be there during the millennial reign of Christ. I don't want to get too much into eschatology. But just to give you a highlight, in the Old Testament God foreshadowed the idea that the rapture would take place. This is Isaiah chapter 26, verses 20 through 21. It says, go, my people, enter your room and shut the doors behind you. Hide yourselves a little while until his wrath is passed by. See, the Lord is coming out of his dwelling to punish the people of the earth for their sins. The earth will disclose the blood shed upon her. She will conceal her slain no longer. If you don't think that that's the rapture, I don't know what you might think it is. And that's in the Old Testament. So God foreshadowed what would be described in the New Testament as the rapture in the flash and a twinkling of an eye. We will be changed and we will get our new bodies and we will go to meet the Lord in the air. So that happens before Israel goes through that time of Jacob's trouble, which is spoken about in Scripture or the tribulation period. And when does that wrath begin? And there's a debate about when the wrath begins. The wrath begins at the breaking of the first seal in the book of revelation because you have first the rider on the white horse which is the antichrist and by the time you get to the end of those seals half the earth has been killed half the earth is wiped out two-thirds of israel is going to be wiped out one-third is going to escape and probably go to petra uh, down south in jordan and so we are expecting the rapture and we're supposed to watch for the rapture we're supposed to look for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, Titus 2.13. So we are instructed to anticipate that. That's why we're focused on Israel. What's going on in Israel? We want to make sure it's kind of like this. On the, You guys know what an analog clock is? You know, it has the hands that go around like this. and It's kind of like the rotary phone that you move and some kids don't know how to use that. But an analog clock, you know, the, the big hand... That's the world. The small hand, that's Israel. The second hand, that's Jerusalem. And even this morning, Hamas said that the battle will end on the Temple Mount. They are going for Jerusalem. They want Jerusalem. Will they get it? No way, no how. They won't get it. The, the next person that's going to get it is going to be the Antichrist. 
That's who's going to get that temple mount. We know from Matthew that this generation will not pass away till all these things be fulfilled. Matthew chapter 24. They will be there until the coming of Jesus Christ and the Antichrist. So they're not going to be removed from that. And Jerusalem, I believe, will remain their capital. So that's the why. How much time do I have? How? Some odd things have been taking place over there. How is it that probably the preeminent, most intelligent intelligence uh, organization failed to catch 300 Islamic terrorists coming across the border? How is it that they have so many sensors and cameras? They have everybody there and they just walked across. Amir Safadi, if you know who he is, uh, he put a little, uh, not a tweet, but something on Telegram. He said, I'm really trying hard not to dive down the hole of conspiracy theories. And there's so many things that went wrong. Joel Rosenberg, I watched him on CBN. He said, how did this happen where nobody saw them coming and they just came through the the most wise intelligent service on the face of the earth with all the sensors that they how did this take place and they came on land sea and air did you see the paragliders and they were dropping bombs <clears throat> these paragliders where'd they get that training they had to get that training probably in iran or some other country <clears throat> and then how is it that so many of the Missiles that were going across and flying into Israel. How is it that the Iron Dome did not stop most of them? There, and Amir was saying there's some type of technology that is only available usually to superpowers on that. That they miss so many of them. And, and so you start looking at this and I want to just tell you up front. There are going to be a myriad of conspiracy theories. How did this happen? One was Israel wanted it to happen so they could go into Gaza. I don't think so. I I think that that's a a bad conspiracy theory. And this idea of um, payments. Did you hear about the $6 billion payment that Biden gave to Iran? Joel Rosenberg was saying, I'm not saying that that $6 billion went directly to, to, to fund Hamas, but what did it do? Do you know who Vivek Ramaswamy is? I think you do. He said, America broken foreign policy establishment knew they were funneling Hamas and went ahead with it anyway. He said the unprecedented $6 billion in ransom paid to Iran last month worsens it. Our taxpayer dollars are funding Iran, Hamas, Hezbollah. This day will end on day one of my administration. That's what Vivek Ramaswamy said. Trump said the same thing. He said it's going to lead to more terrorist attacks. What are they doing different, Hamas, this time that they haven't done in the past? They're taking hostages. Why? They might get $6 billion. It is so wrong to pay ransom for hostages. I feel for the families of the hostages, do everything you can to get them back. But if you start paying ransom, you'll be paying ransom for the rest of your existence. And that's where we have erred as a country. This is something that is morally reprehensible to give money to such a despotic regime. Now, it's not that I have an opinion, but I just want to let you know 
what I think about that. Ron DeSantis, a GOP primary contender, said Hamas has been emboldened by Mr. Biden going easy on Iran with Israel paying the price. And I think that that is very true. So it's not just one person who is out there. And it's on the side of the GOP. And I have to admit that Ilhan Omar, she came out and said, that now this battle has to end. Let's just end it right now. But after all the damage has been done, no retaliation, you know, that type of thing. And she is a Muslim, practicing Muslim. And, and there's going to be big calls come out for stop it. You have to stop the violence. If you read online, you know, I try to keep up with millennials and what they're saying. They are saying some derogatory statements about Hamas and basically turn Gaza into a glass field, which means nuke them, just flatten the whole place. And will innocents be killed if they do that? Yes, they will. But have you thought about what you would do if you were president or if you were Netanyahu, how you would resolve this? I've given it some thought, but I need to keep going, and I'm not going to tell you what I think about that right yet. Now, who? Well, it's the Jews, Hamas, Hezbollah, and Iran. Those are the major players. Russia just hopped into it, too. Russia just, some of the hackers in Russia, they just said that Israel has been supporting Ukraine. Therefore, expect attacks from us. So Russia is in there. Hezbollah and Hamas are proxies, terrorist proxies of Iran. Iran wants Israel to cease to exist. They want a nuclear bomb. They're trying to get one. They want to drop it on Israel. It's not going to happen. God is going to protect it. We know, according to Scripture, that's not going to take place. And when you see these terrorists coming together, along with Russia, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, uh, Turkmenistan, all the stands, Iran, Sudan, Libya, when all of those come together, those are what are listed as countries that will come against Israel in Ezekiel chapter 38, verses 1 through 6. They are known as Rosh, Magog, Persia, Cush, and Put. We're watching them. Are all of those countries Muslim? Yes, except for Russia, they have the Orthodox Church, but there's a large Muslim population there, and they hate Israel too. And they just declared that at least the hackers in Russia, you're, we're going after you. And it's like, well, how close are we? When is this battle going to take place? Some would say it'll take place right after the rapture. Some will say maybe before the rapture it could take place or right in the midst of it. We just don't know when that battle will take place. But it, it, is it set up? Could it take place? Oh, yeah. All the players are in place, along with Turkey. Turkey is one as well that wants to go to this battle. But when will this happen? Well, some people will come out and say, we have a new book describing how this is the beginning of the end and the rapture is going to be next week. And they're going to sell some books. Jonathan Kahn will probably come up with a new one. Uh, Some harbinger, which is out there of bad things to come. Who knows what is going to come up, but there are going to be people trying to monetize this particular tragedy, and there are people who will benefit from this war, and they want the war to continue, and they pay big money, and they make big money on this. So when will this end? I don't think it's going to end this week. I think this is going to be an extended battle. The way that Netanyahu and others are talking is they are going to go in and wipe out utterly Hamas. 
which means, and this is one part that I was talking about, if I were prime minister, if I were Netanyahu, and I am not, or I was president of the United States, and I am not, but you think about these things, how they could stop this conflict. And I was thinking, well, Israel lines up on the eastern border of Gaza. All the tanks, thousands of troops over there. The United States comes from the sea, and they have all their ships on the outside. And they say, you have so many days to get out all the women and children. Then you send in the troops, urban warfare, go house to house. It is only 140 square miles. To give you a perspective, Lakeside is seven square miles. So from here in El Cajon and La Mesa, could you, with thousands of troops, go house to house? You could. You could go house to house, and you could extricate or destroy all of the positions of Hamas. You could interrogate all the Hamas individuals. Israel, I think that they're pretty good at doing stuff like that. I don't know if we are even up to their ability to fight because God has blessed them. And if anybody tried to escape by sea, and by the way, I saw some of the night vision destruction of Hamas coming by boats, and it was utter destruction for them. I saw the cars driving across night vision just being blown to smithereens and the the Hamas coming through the fences and they took them out as well and is it good should we rejoice over that no this is loss of human life and even they are created in the image of God but Satan has a foothold in Islam and the Muslims are deceived by that and they're trying to justify their heinous crimes and by the way even the Quran encourages people to lie and be deceitful in order to promulgate or to further the interests of Islam and, and so they will be deceitful at every single turn that's just the nature of who they are and one of the natures of who they are is that they don't maintain the same right and wrong that we do as believers in Jesus Christ, we hold to the Judeo-Christian ethic, and they do not. Now, as far as when will this conflict end between the Arabs and the Jews, specifically this one, I think it could go for months easily. Um, when will it end ultimately? It won't until the millennium. It will continue. We'll have to go through the tribulation. All of that will have to be done this battle will never end until Jesus Christ shows back up. God has told us this. Why did he tell us this? So we wouldn't be panicking. So we, what in the world is going on? No, we know what's going on. We know where we're headed. And so it wasn't to panic. It's to prepare. It's not to scare and even if it gets really bad and multiple thousands, maybe even millions of people end up dying because of this, it's God's in control. He hasn't woken up yesterday morning and said, oh, no, what is going on? He knows exactly what is going on, and he's allowing certain things to fall into place. Now, to apply all of this application-wise, first, if you go to Amir Safadi, and he is on... Telegram, you can watch videos to your heart's content. He has posted things all night long 
ever since yesterday morning. He was at a conference in Philadelphia. He is trying to fly back. El Al is bringing everybody back that is necessary that will come back to Israel and fight this battle. And everyone in Israel belongs to the military. If they're of age to fight, they, they're being called up. Everyone is being called up. And, you know, uh, Pastor Drew is there being pay, praying for Pastor Drew and the people in the Bible, Bible College. And there are tours which are there right now. And they're going to stay there right now. And they will be going to bomb shelters and they will be hanging out in safe places. They'll be like in some of the hotels. I know the hotels have bomb shelters. Many homes have their own bomb shelters. And so I, I'm not fearing so much for them. But the Israelis, when they get motivated, uh, there's not much that can stop them. So is this the beginning of the end? Are we seeing the escalation take place where, okay, the next thing to happen is Russia gets involved and Iran gets involved and the rapture takes place and we're out of here. Woo-hoo! But then the earth just falls to pot. And that's going to happen. Is this the beginning? I don't know. I have no idea if this is the beginning, if it's going to drag out. Are we closer than we have ever been? Oh, yes. Are there so many signs out there? I've told you before, I'm, I'm thinking about this message about the setup, all the things that are falling in place according to biblical prophecy that would tell us, I mean, we're right there. Jesus has the doorknob on the inside of where he is, and he's getting ready to open it and come get us and meet us in the clouds. So it's right there. But Matthew twenty four forty four says, So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come in an hour you do not expect him. Now this is in context of the Jews in Israel. And Matthew 24 and 25 and Luke chapter 21 and Mark chapter 13 all talk to the Jews. It's not talking to the Christians. And it's telling them to watch. Make sure you are paying attention to what is going on in the world. So he gives this admonition to them. But we are also supposed to watch for their sakes. We don't have to worry, but we're supposed to watch for them. It says, you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars and famines and earthquakes. You know that there was an earthquake yesterday in Afghanistan. You know, it killed 2,000 people. God said there will be earthquakes in various places, but these are only the beginning. These are the birth pangs. No question in my mind, we are in the birth pangs. It is taking place. I, I told you I've been watching like the flooding and the hurricanes and the natural disasters that are taking place and the earthquakes and famines. I was checking on famines. The UN and everybody else is saying famine is on the horizon. You know, the Netherlands, they're cutting the production of food, which they're like one of the largest producers of food. Ukraine, one of the largest producers of food for Europe and Africa. They're being decimated over there. The United States, what are we doing? We're going to stop producing food. If Europe, Northern Europe, up in fin, the Benelux countries up there, if they stop producing food, uh, people are already starving down in Africa. United States stops producing food. What do you think the natural outcome is going to be? Famine. There's going to be famine if we continue because some stupid battery factory needs to be, you know, constructed and you have to drive an electric car. And if that's, I'm not going to go there. We, you know, we just go down this particular road. We can see it. Anybody who has their eyes open can see what is taking place. So with that, collectively, if you have the wars, 
the rumors of wars, if you have the famines, and you have the earthquakes, those are the beginnings. And what's after the beginnings? The birth. What's after the birth pangs when they start? Right now, I think we're just kind of he-panting. You guys know what that is? <laughs> There's the he, 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 he. You know, for the woman who's having the child, I went through those classes with my wife, Lamaze, you know, and then it's ho, 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 you know. <laughs> We're between the he's and the hoes is where we are. And so we need to pay attention to what is going on. And if we do that, we can have peace in the midst of the storm. All these things that I've mentioned, we're not supposed to panic. We're supposed to just simply watch and go, Lord, show us what you're going to do. Just, just keep us aware. Make sure, Lord, that we remain in fellowship with you, your Holy Spirit, and with the believers. And so whatever comes, we're prepared because our eyes are open. And I'll close with this, Psalm 122, verse 6. It says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. Let's pray. Father, I would ask that you would bring comfort to the people who have lost loved ones. The tragedies, the sorrow that is there, it is only going to be multiplied in the days to come on both sides. And these are people that you have created. But we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for the peace in the land of Israel. We ask that wickedness would be exposed and stopped. But Father, we ask all of these things according to your will because we understand you are in charge and we give you all the glory and honor and praise because of it. And we'll be submissive to you. Help us not to panic or worry in any way. But Father, help us to trust. In Jesus' name, amen. One more thing. The trip to Israel. Are we going? It is very unlikely that we are going to Israel. Because this battle will not be over by November. It is going to continue. And the flights going in are canceled as of right now. Drew has a flight booked for next Saturday. Depends on whether or not Delta is flying in and out. It depends on Israel. It, it depends. Like I, I was going through, what does it depend on? How quickly the country is secure. They are one of the most advanced militaries in the world. All the able-bodied citizens are in the military. They're in the reserves or in active military. It depends on the stage of the conflict. If it's ramped up or scaled down. It depends on his if Hezbollah comes down from the north and actually engages like Hamas, uh, would I feel safe if I was in Israel and the military was ubiquitous, means they are everywhere. And when we've been to Israel before, I can't tell you how many long guns, rifles, guns we see. They're everywhere. If you see kids on a field trip, there's two people with guns that are following them. You go through the Damascus Gate, there's a sniper up in the Damascus Gate, and he's looking at everybody coming through. I mean, they're just everywhere. Would I feel safe with that? Well, if I was anywhere in the world, I would want the Israeli army around me with all their guns. You know, I would feel safe. 
but also how does everybody feel about the trip you know is it, would we go half the people would drop off there i'm not going to a war-torn country like that and other people would say let's go it could be closer to heaven you know something you know i'm not going to do that and what about refunds and all of that we've been doing some research on that first pilgrims uh tours has to be the one on one hand to say we're canceling for us to get a refund they may give a small charge for that we don't know what that looks like if we bought insurance the insurance specifically says that for terrorism 100 percent refund i think everybody bought insurance so that's a good thing who has called this a terrorist act the politico has president biden has i even have the website from the white house that says this is terrorism so that's where we are when will the final decision be made very soon uh within a month we will know exactly what's going on if it's going to be safe if it's not going to be safe so uh, we'll keep you posted on that but may god bless you may fill your heart with peace and may the fellowship that we have just be blessed and after we get done here with the worship song uh Take a moment, do what you have to do, and we're going to start trimming trees. May God bless you. Stand up as we sing our closing song, please.